the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hi, it's Hugh Hewitt. Welcome to the interview with Hugh Hewitt, sponsored by AndrewandTodd.com. Andrew and Todd are with Sierra Pacific Mortgage. They help you with all your real estate lending needs. If you're refinancing your home, if you're buying a new home, if you're a senior who wants a reverse mortgage, if you're a veteran who doesn't want to put any money down, whatever it is, if you're in the private real estate market for yourself, and maybe you want an investment property, try AndrewandTodd.com or call 888 now on to the interview with Hugh Hewitt. I'm Hugh Hewitt inside the Beltway Live. Four years ago uh, in Niger, an ambush occurred that took the lives of four Green Beret and Nigerian soldiers and an ambush by ISIS elements there. Killed in that attack were Staff Sergeant LaDavid Johnson of Miami Gardens, Florida, Sergeant Jeremiah Johnson of Springboro, Ohio, Staff Sergeant Dustin Wright of Lyons, Georgia, and Staff Sergeant Brian Black of Poyup, Washington. Brian Black's widow, military spouse, and Gold Star widow, Michelle Black, joins me now. She has written a new book, Sacrifice, A Gold Star Widow, Fight for the Truth. It's riveting. It's amazing. It's disturbing in some respects. But I'm always honored to talk to a military spouse. I'm particularly honored to talk to a Gold Star spouse. Michelle Black, welcome to the Hugh Hewitt Show. Congratulations on writing Sacrifice and everything that it represents. Thank you so much. Uh, let me begin by asking you for an update, even though the book is fairly recent, on Ezekiel and Isaac. I love that you began the story with Ezekiel and the effort to get a correct diagnosis about him. It showed you were going to be a fighter through the bureaucracy that came after the after the ambush that took your husband's life. But how are Ezekiel and Isaac now, four years after their dad's death? You know, they're they're doing very well, all things considered. Ezekiel has been playing water polo and swimming um, on his team at the high school, the local high school, and getting straight A's. Isaac's getting straight A's, and now they've both started jujitsu. So, um, you know, they're they're in good spirits. They're learning to ski. They're spending a lot of time with Brian, uh, Brian's grand, uh, their grandparents, Brian's parents. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Doing the well. most moving part of the book is when you take the boys with Henry, who is uh, Brian's dad, to tell them that their father has been killed in an ambush in Niger. And Grandpa steps up and you tell them you'll always be there. And Isaac is hiding. It's a very well written. It must have been difficult to write, Michelle. Yeah, um, that piece especially. I still, you know, I get teared up just thinking about it. Um, it, it was the hardest thing I've ever done, but necessary. Now, the Tongo Tongo ambush, which is the heart of the book, what happened and why? What happened to, to your husband and what happened to his colleagues? And you tell the story of his colleague, by the way, of David Johnson, who really shouldn't have been there, but your husband's team recruited him. Tell us, the audience, give us an introduction. You can't tell the whole story of sacrifice, but tell us what happened that day. And then we'll go back and tell, you, tell them what the Army told you and what happened after that. That day, um, as they were leaving Tonga Tonga, um, you know, it's funny because we talk about it being an ambush, but that's not what it started out as. Um, 
the the attack built up into an ambush, but um, at the very beginning, it was just a few um, shots being um, popped off towards the team as they exited Tonga Tonga. Um, and so as they left, uh, the Americans always have the Nigerians in the lead because they were training them. Um, so the Nigerian trucks were in the lead. And as the shots rang out, um, the two lead Nigerian trucks panicked and backed into the rest of the convoy and caused a collision and trapped them on the road. So as they were trying to sort the trucks out, Captain Perazzini grabbed a couple of the Nigerian partner forces and did a flanking maneuver, hoping to find the few guys that were shooting at them in the woods and take them out. And that way they could move on with their um, movement back to their base in Wallam. What he found when he got out there was that there were um, just a horde of enemies um, pouring into the area. And it became clear to him that they were well-trained as they began to um, also outflank the convoy that was on the road. And the convoy was sitting on a bottleneck, which has been referred to as the kill zone. So he realized that they were going to get trapped on the road if they didn't move in a real hurry. Um, because he said, as we put down enemies, we began to realize there were three, four more popping up in their place. So he ran back to the road and they began to move. But by then their interpreter had run off and trying to collect those um, on the continent of Africa. You know, the partner forces come from different villages all across um the region, and they all speak different languages. I believe there's up to um, something like 20 languages in that area. So when their interpreter left, they they were really um, crippled because they couldn't speak to most of the partner forces. So trying to get them into the trucks became a huge issue. By the time they left, they were barely able to escape. And my husband's truck, which everyone said, well, why were they walking? Well, they were walking because they were trying to create a, a blocking position that would allow the other trucks ahead of them to get out. They were not ditched. They were just trying to cover their friends so they would be able to get out. And then my husband's truck planned on trying to make an effort after that to get themselves out. So they actually placed their um, their teammates ahead of themselves and put themselves at risk. Then the as they tried to exit, they were overrun. One of the riveting portions, of many riveting portions in Sacrifice, the new book by Michelle Black, is when Captain Pirozzini calls you from his hospital bed in Germany to offer his condolences for the loss of your husband, Byron Black. Uh, but he then, by the end of the book, you realize he's been utterly screwed by the DOD. Um, a brave man, a good leader. He has your admiration. What happened to him in the aftermath of this? Obviously, the mistakes leading up to the convoy being where it was without the support element it was supposed to have are detailed in the book, which led to your husband's death and the death of the three other Green Berets and the other Niger soldiers. But what happened to Captain Pirazzini in the aftermath of this, Michelle Black? You know, that that was really um, probably the hardest part for me was um, Captain Pirazzini, you know, as I said, from everything that I've learned, he did everything right on the ground. So the DOD, what they did, um, specifically AFRICOM in their investigation, 
the mission was a three-part mission. Initially, the team was supposed to go down just on a routine patrol to the area of Tilawa. And Captain Perizzini created a con-ops for that, just saying, hey, we're going on a mail reconnaissance mission, going to kind of just check out what's going on in the village down up there, and then we're going to come back. Um, and they did that, and they did that successfully. What happened were these two add-on missions, which were pushed down from those higher up the chain of command. And when that happened, Captain Perzini actually pushed back. But that's not what the investigation told us. They told us that Captain Perzini did not push back. He preferred not to go, but, you know, he, he was, you know, just fine with the mission. In fact, the first con-op, he had um, fooled them into believing it was a Civ mail when in reality he had acted like a cowboy misled them with this con up and was really going on a kill capture mission. And that basically his carelessness is what costs so many American lives. You see, this um, is always what happens when a report doesn't jibe with the survivor's understanding. And you got the understanding from the members of the combat team. You you talked to most of them who are alive. They sat down with you. Sometimes you've used their names. Sometimes you haven't used their names. You've talked to everyone in the chain of command that you could and you have the distinct impression that the Army is just trying to put it behind them and put it away. Is that a fair summary? Yes, absolutely. And and really, the reason they were is because there were a few people up the chain of command who were more interested in seeing certain people, um, certain colonels and lieutenant colonels, officers move ahead in their career. So they didn't want it to affect their career, kind of the good old boy mentality, you know, all protecting each other. Now, I don't know much about Army justice. We are a Navy family, and so I know about Navy justice, and I'm, I'm actually kind of confident. This shakes my confidence a lot in an Army justice system. How many other spouses, both Gold Star spouses and just spouses of deployed men and women, especially those in, in special forces like the Green Berets, have stepped forward to tell you thank you or I agree with you, and boy, this rings a bell. You know who really has stepped forward and said thank you are um, veterans. For them, the fact that a Gold Star family member stood up for the surviving team members and um, refused to let them be punished, I think is something um, that they don't expect. Because we become so wrapped up in our grief a lot of times, we don't consider um, the fallout and how it's affecting those who came back. And these men, you know, they went through this horrible ambush. They were hunted through the forest by terrorists. They watched their friends die. Um, for them, it was more, I mean, they had lived with my husband and trained with him for three years. They had spent more time with him than I had for three years. Their grief, you know, was very, very real. Just as uh, much as mine, but they were also suffering the nightmares and the PTSD from it. So for me, you know, to ignore that and worry only about how it affected me, I, I couldn't do it. Well, I am very impressed that you could work through this. I'm also very glad that you recognize that medals don't always tell the story. If anyone just reads Wikipedia about the Tonga Tonga ambush, They'll see the decorations like the uh, the Bronze Star with a V for Valor awarded to your husband, the Silver Stars. They will think that the team was brave, which it was, and that the team was well-led, which it was. But they will not know the story of what the Army did, right? The Wikipedia will not tell that story. Right. 
Well, and so, show the bravery of the survivors, right. which was equal to what all of those who died did. Every single survivor, including Captain Parazini, who was painted to be this just terrible leader and liar. Um, although, although his subsequent career would suggest to me that the Army is not going to roll him over completely because he's, he's advancing through the ranks in difficult uh, you chart a career path which would not otherwise be open to someone who wasn't a high performer. That's what just doesn't add up, by the way. Uh, in the Navy, if you're running a destroyer that gets run into, you're out. Uh, in, in the Army, I assume if you're running a good special operations team that is ambushed and you've done your best, you don't you, you get promoted like Captain Perizzini to new commands, which has happened to him. So they, it seems to me the Army wants to have it both ways, Michelle Black. And that's exactly it. And it has to do with the command. You know, um, you had SOCOM and you had all these three and four star commands who were wanting to make him the fall guy. But then as new, um, you know, USASOC generals and, you know, as, as the command switched out, which happened after the team got back, you know, you've had a change of attitude because, like I said, there were certain people protecting higher level officers and my thought is somebody went out and new blood came in and just kind of went, wow, okay, these guys are not at fault. So there, there's been some backtracking with the new commands that have come in. It's a, um, it's a complicated story. You break it down very well. And you have to read Sacrifice to understand Sacrifice. So please go get Michelle Black's new book. I want to call out three things in particular before we I, – I don't want to forget them. Number one um, – the early diagnosis of your son, Ezekiel, this is an odd thing to bring up in a book entitled Sacrifice, but it's such an important lesson for parents of children with special learning disabilities to learn. And you spell it out. He was misdiagnosed and you lost a couple of years and you got a bad diagnosis. And then he came back and now he's playing water polo. Will you explain how you have to advocate for yourself, whether it's about your husband's murder by terrorists or whether it's about your son's non-autism diagnosis, you have to fight for yourself. That's absolutely true. Only you know your children. Um, only you are the expert. You are the expert on your child, just like I was the expert on my child and I was the expert on Brian. When the doctors told me, you know, hey, he's going to be, Ezekiel is going to be living at home for the rest of his life and he's never going to be fully functional, I just went, I know my child. I have seen the things he has done and the things he has overcome the last few years. This is not the truth. And that was the same thing that happened when the Army told me, oh, this team is a bunch of cowboys that went rogue. And the, the captain misled your husband and everyone. My husband is a smart man. He doesn't go rogue. He's not a cowboy. And he would not be misled by a new captain. So, you know, no matter what any expert tells you, you are the expert on the people in your lives. Nobody that is so well put. By the way, the, the portrait of Brian is just amazing. I wish I had known him. I can't snowboard. I hope your boys snowboard like he does. Your romance is a wonderful romance. I mean, it's just very well detailed. But secondly, while I know a lot of SEALs and I know a lot of people in the Special Forces community on the Navy side, I only know one Green Beret, and I only know him a little bit. I don't know much about their training and I don't know about their cadres. I didn't know about any of that until I read Sacrifice. That doesn't actually happen in the SEALs where one individual can decide to try and destroy another individual, at least not to my knowledge. Has that changed at all to your knowledge? 
Uh, I have no idea. You know, that that's just such a small portion of their training that, you know, over three years, that was one night. You know, so I, I don't know if that was a rare incident. Um, you know, fortunately for us, Brian made it through. Granted, he came home with rhabdo, and, and we had to, um, and being a medic, you know, I, I was able to help him, um, him being a medic. He had all the supplies, but, you know, yeah, I, I'm not really sure. Okay, then I won't pursue it. I, it was it's just a detail that stuck out to me. I want to ask my Green Beret friend about it. Finally, Memorial Day. Maybe the most important part of a book about an important life, an important Green Beret, an important incident, an important everything. But Memorial Day, my wife and I go to Arlington for reasons that when you marry into a military, I'm a civilian, by the way, Michelle, but I've got military in the mm-hmm. family and military kids and military uh, in-laws. Uh, on Memorial Day, we go to Arlington. And it's a different thing. And you talk about Memorial Day as a gold star uh, uh, spouse. Would you explain it to the audience? They need to hear it. Yeah, you know, so I grew up non-military. So for me, it was it was picnics and, hey, we get to go to the, you know, the lake this weekend. Um, and now people tell me happy Memorial Day. And it's not happy. It is the day where we remember all of those who have given their lives. And I mean, you know, I think every time someone says happy Memorial Day to me, it's like happy Memorial Day. You lost your husband. You know, happy Memorial Day. Your kids lost their father. You know, your your in-laws lost their youngest son. It's, it's so heart-wrenching that to me, it's just, yeah. And in Memorial Day, there are thousands of presently uh, uh, men and women who should be alive and in their family's life who are not over the last 20 years, and you might run into them. And if you read Sacrifice, you will be very careful to say, I hope your Memorial Day is a good one, and that in the course of it, you recall those who made the ultimate sacrifice like Brian Black. Michelle Black, congratulations on Sacrifice. A beautiful book, by the way, and beautifully written and beautifully put together. I'm pretty proud of Putnam, actually, for for following through on this project. it I don't know how it is selling. I don't know how it is being promoted. It's difficult to talk to Gold Star families. I've got some experience after 21 years. But a lot of people don't want to talk to Gold Star widows. Have you run into that? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's you know, this is a difficult subject. And people, you know, they prefer not to talk about death and grief and this this reality. It's, it's a piece that, you know, as Americans, we need to understand but we have such a hard time facing. I know I did before I lost Brian, you know, that stark reality of, hey, people do die in war and they that's not the end of it. You know, they leave widows. They, they leave all these pieces that have to be picked up. And the paperwork, I, I mean, the uh, assistance officer that helps you is noble. The chaplains who come to your house are noble. The fact that you have to tell his mother and his father, you know, she went off to tell his father and Henry, they're all noble, but nobody knows unless you've lived it. And so I'm very, very glad that you wrote the story, Michelle Black. Sacrifice is available at Amazon.com and bookstores everywhere. And from Michelle Black, I appreciate it. God bless. And my best to your boys and your family. Thank you so much. That concludes today's episode of the interview with Hugh Hewitt. Thank you for listening. Make sure you come back and check out all the other podcasts on the Salem Podcast Network. And remember to thank our sponsors, andrewandtodd.com. If you believe in long-form interviews like I do, 
then do your real estate transactions with Andrew Del Rey and Todd Avakian. I've known both men for a long time. AndrewandTodd.com. Go there, answer a couple of questions. They'll tell you what's best to do with your house or call them at 888-888-1172. You'll be glad you did and you'll be glad that you listened to the next episode of The Interview. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.